Today's first reading looks ahead to the day when we know that the Lord has become my salvation. The first reading is from Isaiah, the 12th chapter. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. The psalmody for today is Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heart of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from my trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Corinthians, the fifth chapter. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. He said, There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. 
Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went. He hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. He arose. He came to his father. But while he was still a long way away off, his father saw him, felt compassion. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, And as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants, he asked what these things meant. He said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your commandment, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this, your son of yours, came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him? He said to him, Son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. The Gospel of our Lord. So the title for today's time is called The Mirror. And... um, based off of, or at least it starts off with some things that just happen in, in a lot of adults' lives. I can remember a time, you say just a few years ago, but now it's like many, many, many years ago. But I would either stand and hold, or I would sit on the, ground, or on the, on the carpet of the floor in front of a mirror, and they're standing in front of the mirror, I'd, I'd hold the, the boy. So at first it was Jeffrey, and he was held in front of this mirror when we were in Austin, Texas. And then after that was Joshua, and Got to hold him in front of the mirror at the house there in, in Manhattan, Kansas, or just outside Manhattan, Kansas. Then with Jacob, it was in um, Fredericksburg, Texas. So there we would just stand in front of the mirror. 
Um, particularly if they're a little bit cranky and it would just be a nice source of entertainment at that point. And probably many of you, many of you can remember doing that. But they, you hold the child when they're really, really small and they're looking at the mirror and they're just kind of, it's almost like entertainment, but they don't know who it is. They don't recognize themselves being themselves. They get a kick out of looking, but it's, they don't get, they don't make that connection that it's me. You know, so at some point as we're doing this, the, the months turn, you know, the weeks, days turn to weeks, turn into months. And at some point, I don't know exactly when, but something changes. The expression on their face changes. They're not looking at the mirror for simple entertainment. Something happens and they look at the mirror differently, curiously, searching, studiously. They look and begin to recognize the similarities of motion. Move a hand here, see it there. Move a hand here, move my head, close my eyes. They start to look at the person in the mirror and they kind of look back and they'll look at you and then they'll look at the mirror and then they'll look back and then they'll look at your hand and they'll look at the mirror and they're putting it together. You can see that they're trying to put it together. They're starting to say, is that me? Well, yeah, maybe. I know that guy, that's dad. And he's right there, but he's right there. And that's his hand, and that's his shirt. So that means that someone right there in the picture, that someone is, well, it's me. And what they see and what I see are come together, and it's a beautiful time. I think it's incredible beauty to watch a child learn to recognize themselves, a child to watch them grow up in an understanding of who they are and whose they are and how precious they are in the company, in the sight of their parents. As a pastor, it's also a beautiful sight to watch people of all ages learn to recognize ourselves, to grow in our understanding of who we are and whose we are, and grow in our understanding that when God sees us through all these years, how beautifully, wonderfully made we are and how precious we are in His sight. Well, that thinks or comes to this today's um, parable in the Bible lessons of Luke. Even the secular world knows this parable, the parable of the prodigal son. I think it's popular among Christians and, and non-Christians alike because it's a parable of, of humans just being humans, of people just being people, and of God being, well, of God being who people want and hope God would be. A loving father. Meaning it's a story about bad, behave, bad behaving people, of bad behaving children, people like me. And we are being confronted by the power and the love and the mercy and the generosity and the wisdom and this determination of a father to love people. To call us home and to embrace us in spite of us. In spite of our behavior and our choices. In this parable, the younger son, he's looking at this image, this mirror, if you will, of the world and all that's around him. He's looking at this image and, well, he doesn't see as the father sees. He sees the father is limiting and controlling. He sees how empty this house and this boring and this life is. Mundane chores day in and day out. There's no glamour. There's no glitz. There's no life in this. It's just a squandering of life. 
something to do that has to be done. There's no want to, it's just have to, it's a grind. He sees all of this stuff around him as a commodity that he can just trade in for an upgraded model. Something that's a resource for all the world's shiny and sexy and tasty and exciting gifts. Something to be traded in for that. He sees so foolishly. He never considers how the world is seeing him. For that same world that he craves to own and control and enjoy and just get lost and wallowing in it, if you will, that world was looking at him with the very same intentions. After replacing the view of his father and his father's home with the world, after a prolonged time there in that world, he discovers that the world had hungry eyes too and has actually consumed him and all that he is. Some have argued whether, whether the, the young person had lost everything in the famine or whether he'd grown into incredible fame that at some point in his life, maybe at the last moment when he's breathing his last breath or as he's approaching his last years, they would come to the same reality that the world had nothing. And what he left, his father and his father's house, was everything. But in this parable, a time comes when the young person, youngish person, looks in the mirror. And he looks in the mirror seriously and he looks at everything that he is and everything that he's become. And he does not like what he sees. He looks at the reflection of the world all around him. And somehow it no longer has the same value. It's lost its beauty, its excitement, its delight. The whole reflection he sees now is shameful and empty. Although he decides that he can no longer be a son, that he's no longer worthy to be called a son, as before, the father will look upon him differently. He sees one thing, the father sees something else. He sees an unworthy son, the father sees a treasure a beloved, a son. It's stunning to everyone who hears the parable. Stunning. The father does not see as the son sees. The father does not see what the world sees. The father sees precious, valuable, wonderful son that is now on his approach to home. And the mirror will reflect what it has always reflected of the father in home. There at home, there will be a loving, providing protecting family. Demanding that the best robe be put on him. Expecting that the very the, the family ring would be placed once again onto that hand. That the shoes would be placed on a feet. That the whole world would know that this son is the son of that family. The next time that this young man would look into the mirror, he will not see what he was when he was far away. He will see what he is in the presence of his father. And he will see his father. And he will see his home. And he will see himself there treasured. But the older son. The older son has some vision challenges as well. He does not see himself. And he does not see his father and his home. And this world of blessing around that. He does not see it the same way as the father sees it. He looks at himself and he sees himself as a servant. 
He looks and he sees himself as, or his father as a demanding servant like a boss. He looks at home. He looks at the fields. He looks at the livestock. He looks at all these gifts of God, not as a gift, but as a burden, as a weight drowning him. He looks at his brother, not as a brother, but as with envious, malice eyes. There's no evidence anywhere in this parable for that vision. There's no evidence that the father in this case is an overbearing servant driver. There's no evidence anywhere in this parable that the father is controlling and belittling, abusive, or anything else that could be construed as ugly. Actually, in this parable, it's the father who is the prodigal. Meaning this, that the father is recklessly wasting and ravishly, extravagantly giving all that he has to people that will absolutely wreck it. That's foolish. That's prodigal. He is investing into obvious failures and he invests into those failures continuously. That's prodigal. Two clear pieces of prodigal evidence against this or to confirm this is that he had handed over half of all that he had been entrusted to as a young person and now as a man, as a grown man, he entrusted half to that son who he knew was going to be selfish and foolish and squander all that had value for all that was rubbish. He knew it would happen and still he gave it. That's reckless. And to the other son, he had the other half handed over to him. Everything that his family had worked to acquire to another son who was selfish and inward turned and ungrateful and grumbling. That's a prodigal father because 100% of his life's assets have now been distributed to two knucklehead sons. And so the father views... The father views things differently than what the son views. He sees dear sons, not slaves. He sees his beloved in his robes and his rings with his sandals. Everything he owns given for them and surrounding them. The father is presenting a different picture to the older son and to the younger son catches the sons have to choose which vision they're going to live in which one of these vision options are they going to believe which one will they trust this point we turn the parable to us we all have our vision of life events we all have ideas about who we are, ideas about our value and our significance, our place in this world. We have our views and ideas about how other people fit in around us. We, have, we can believe all sorts of things about ourselves. We can believe all sorts of things about our Father and the people around us. We all have a view of the world and where we, where we seem to put our value into the world versus what God puts His value upon. We all bring that to this place today. What today's gospel lesson does is confronts our vision of what's valuable and beautiful and real and eternal. What we view compared to what God views. Today's gospel lesson is powerfully honest and it is good news. Good news because God's vision is being clearly communicated. We are loved by a prodigal father, whether we're the young son or the old son or something is combined into both of those. Wherever we're on that spectrum, he loves us. 
Regardless of our squandering, regardless of our grumbling, regardless of our falling asleep when it's important and staying awake when it's not important, regardless of our selfish, our greed, our envy, our gluttony, our attitudes, or our lack of gratitude, regardless of all of that stuff, in this parable, God says, you are my children, you are beloved, and I cherish you. Come home. This prodigal God comes across time and eternity later in this books and he will stick his cross into the ground and he will declare, you are mine. You will always be mine. Come home. He says, you you have the ability to always be with me. You are cherished. Everything I have I will give it to you limitlessly. We, like the sons in the parable, we are free to do as we please with all that the Father has entrusted us. We, like the world has heard and who has has a choice, we have a choice. And in this parable, you have the choice. Will you see and have a vision of the Father in the world as the Father does, or not? And will you choose to live with your Father in your Father's ways, in your Father's kingdom, in your Father's home, and in His presence? Will you choose that? Or will you stay outside in one direction or another? The choice is yours. It's made every day, all day long. There's no ending to the parable. It does not tell you the outcomes for the next day or the next year. It doesn't tell you. It doesn't give you a five-year window forward or a 20-year window forward. It doesn't say how the younger son ended up or how the older son ended up. We don't know the outcome of that. We just know what we got today. That the Father will go out to meet them and He's always calling them home even though He knows who they are. He's a prodigal father and we are His children. So we pray, God, help us choose home. Help us to see ourselves in the world as the Father sees us. And in that, help us to be His church. Amen. Let us declare our faith. We will use the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven, and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sin. 
and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. O Lord, we are your prodigal sons and daughters. We come home pleading for your mercy and praying for your grace. Hear the prayers of your people and answer them in accordance with your holy will. Hear us, O God. Loving God, you have reconciled us in Christ Jesus. We pray for all those from whom we are estranged. Bring healing to strained or broken relationships. Forgive us for the times we have wronged others, whether by our ignorance, neglect, or intention. Grant us the courage and the grace to seek their forgiveness and opportunity to make amends. Where others have wronged us, grant us a gracious spirit that we might forgive even as we have been forgiven. Hear us, O God. We pray for any among us here today who with dignity and courage are secretly enduring misfortunes or ongoing worries. We pray for neighbors or co-workers and for those familiar but nameless faces we notice each day in the train, bus, elevator, bank, or supermarket. Give your peace and healing to them. Keep us sensitive that we may recognize their cry for help when it comes our way. Help us respond generously to others' needs. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Lord Jesus Christ, we rejoice today with those who are celebrating birthdays, anniversaries, or other joyful events. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Healer of the broken, work mightily in the lives of all who experience hardships in their health and lives, including those we name now in our hearts. Bring them healing of body, heart, and mind according to your will. Let your Holy Spirit comfort them and sustain their faith. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Blessed Savior, you designed your church to be the home of all people. Help us to follow your calling to live as your disciples, to know Jesus, and to make Jesus known. Help Emmanuel Lutheran be the hands and heart of Jesus in Northwest Arkansas. Put the name and face of someone that needs you this week into our heart and mind. Help us to reach out to them in love. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. O Lord, we thank and praise you for all your goodness. We commend ourselves and all for whom we pray into your merciful care. We boldly offer this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen.